on the vertical is how can a singular brand sound the same over those different horizontal touch points. So if you have, you know, this kind of simulated banking experience, for example, how does it sound similar when you visit an ATM versus banking on your phone? Mm-hmm. And how does voice banking or, or conversational banking is a better word for it. How does it sound when you do banking over a voice experience like Alexa? Mm-hmm. And so where are the the similarities between them and then where are the distinctions? So instead of just using the same exact power on sound, how does it differ based on the speaker quality of, of the product you're hearing it on? Yeah, or, that's a good question. Or just the context of what you're using it in, right? Welcome to Audio Branding, the hidden gem of marketing. I'm your host, Jody Krangle, and this podcast will discuss just how sound influences our behavior. I generally talk about this in the context of advertising and marketing, but there are other places this is important too. I really feel that it plays a much more important role in our lives than maybe we realize. So let's delve a little deeper. This is the second part of my interview with Eric C. So how do you go about building an audio brand for a company that maybe isn't Pantone? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that gave so, you a very specific criteria, right? You were making a sound for a color. But mm-hmm. if there is a brand name or like a particular company that has a feel, I guess, how do you do you have like a, a process that you go through in order to build up something for them? Absolutely. And the way that comes together in in terms of a, a chronological order is is similar to other agencies in which you undergo an immersion phase, a research phase, a workshop phase to some degree, and then creation. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, what that comes down to is the research phase is really a way for us to open up the brand's ears to what their competitors are doing. So it's it's much deeper than oh, this other brand is using rock music, don't use rock music. It, it's a lot deeper than that, mm-hmm. in in which case we're able to have them almost learn more about themselves by, by listening. And yeah, so, I'm curious about that too, because I wonder how many clients actually have thought about this and how many you have to sort of educate from the bottom up. Yeah, it's a mix. I think more and more brands now are thinking about it. Earlier mm-hmm. on, sometimes it takes a little bit of of convincing in a way, but I think now that everyone's talking about it, so with you and your podcast out there and, mm-hmm. and people writing articles, it's it's more top of mind for everyone. So mm-hmm. luckily, more more brands are thinking about it now than they used to. But sometimes, and almost in any case, there's some kind of onboarding um, to be able to to cross that bridge and and break down those barriers of communication between esoteric music terms and and scientific terms and then just the pure artistic expression of sound. Mm -hmm. And so that's what our our process aims to do is really triangulating a white space for that brand based on key stakeholder interviews and and our research data and and how we analyze the competitors and, and how immersive we go in that in that audit and then how we're able to deduce 
really meaningful insights out of it before we ever even write a single note. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what makes it so much different than just getting a brief and and writing that brief remotely. For us, a brief is almost like an entire microsite that eventually becomes the whole design system. So it's really much more than just a couple prompts. Yeah, <laughs> wow. You know, linked to <laughs> to databases and and links to to everything. Now you don't always make an earcon or like a sonic brand for these companies. It doesn't necessarily have to involve that kind of thing. Right. Or is it, it just like a general sound design kind of deal? Um yeah, true true on all ends. It, it's not always one or the other. It's not always just um, an earcon or UX sound. It's mm-hmm. not always just an audio logo. Um, part of that process is actually drumming up what the most influential thing that brand can do is. So in that case of Pantone, that was more long form music as opposed to what we traditionally do more of, which would be an audio logo or or a suite of interrelated user experience sounds or user Uh interface sounds and so during during that process we can make recommendations of where where sound should go and if there are ux sounds what interactions they should associate with and so to be able to do that we need to understand the technologies that that the brands are using and so Part of my job as chief experience officer is to push those experiences to their to their limits to be able to understand what's what's possible, what's realistic, and and what are really cool moments that we can work with. And and so that's why I spend sometimes more time writing music than I used to, and more time prototyping skills on Alexa or or prototyping experiences and. XD or or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And how does psychoacoustics come into this? Because I know there's, you know, when you're crafting a sound for a company, I guess you you want people to be able to experience it in a real emotional way. And the best way to get them to do that is to approach it from almost a psychological point of view. <laughs> Definitely. It's it's a multi-layered approach because mm-hmm. every every aspect you design especially in in such a small sound is so important and i i'd say we put as much thought into these little sounds as as companies probably used to put into an audio logo um <laughs> par, part of how we um i guess practice the psychoacoustics is through research and and user testing and to to validate our assumptions which we use to compose and so one of the one of the most exciting things we did in that regard was we worked with the audio efficacy platform Veritonic to create the first real white paper that evaluated the efficacy of of a branded earcon and mm-hmm. how how did that affect purchase intent and and so all the ROI and and KPI type factors as well as just what does it mean for cognitive load in terms of associating this type of of sound with this type of interaction? And so from there, you can start to triangulate what are kind of the best practices for sounds. For instance, 
does a an upward melody really indicate something turning on versus a downward reciprocal motion mean powering off and mm-hmm. and again is that a universal thing is that a, a melody construct of western harmony or is something of of acceleration and pitch more universal like when you fire up an engine on a car as as the rpm increases you could say that's a parallel of of you know uh, an increase of hertz and so it, that would mm-hmm. be an upward motion as something starts and so are those types of just arcs really or what we call you know just a, a gesture in a way is the the kind of melodic arc is that maybe more universal than than the melody part itself and it, as opposed to you know going a major third up means it's it's positive mm-hmm. right so yeah um, it's we definitely interesting yeah yeah we, we we put as much thought as possible into literally every every little step of this process and so um yeah 100% the the psychoacoustics is down to the very atom of each each sound we do so in that paper that you did what were some of the um the conclusions that you came to how did it change people's experience or make them do things they you know they didn't think of doing before <laughs> well one of the I think an important thing we gleaned was that, and and just to give a general sense of what the differences were, the we had a generic set and a premium set. And so the generic set was more of what you'd hear with like a, a piezo beep. In our case, we even gave it slightly better quality. So it was more of just a generic kind of blippy sine wave. Okay. Whereas the premium set was more layered and had more more dimensions to it in terms of reverb layers delay mm-hmm. things like that and so even just between that basic generic sound and the premium sound we found that twice as many people were willing to blindly purchase the the smart speaker that had just a cooler startup sound oh. so you know it it can be that simple where just if you hear one sound versus another if you have a a premium smart speaker, it should have premium sounds, right? And so mm-hmm. that was one thing we're able to learn, as well as people being able to associate the interactions better. So more people were able to guess that the premium power on sound was the speaker powering up as opposed to the generic power on sound, meaning that versus maybe meaning it was connecting to a Bluetooth device without layering it, you're pretty much reduced to melody almost and mm-hmm. and with just a singular instrument it's it's harder to differentiate between between families of interactions mm-hmm. okay so the better sounds it made for a better experience <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. which could have been an alt title it, it's called small sounds <laughs> mean big business so I like uh, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it definitely rings true yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so you have a, um, you were talking about UX, the user first mentality. Can mm-hmm. you, can you expand a little on that? Because I know that, um, you know, that's a big thing now, obviously, but especially for audio branding, because I guess you kind of need to hold people's hands through this. <laughs> Definitely. Um, it, it's a, it's a multi-layered term when, when we say audio UX for sure, because 
it it does mean UX in the traditional sense of of user experience and what UX designers do and and how sound can augment you know their their different interactions that they're developing. It also, like you mentioned, has to do with the user first mentality that we that we focus on. So it it came from working with honestly with so many different UX teams on a lot of the work we started off doing, which was notification sounds and mm-hmm. and ringtones and and how does a whole family of of sounds fit together as opposed to just making a one-off. Um, and that's really one of the biggest challenges is how do you make sure that everything sounds the same without being redundant and how do you design that whole system? And so in in that sense, the user experience side is literal. And then on the more metaphorical side, the user experience is like I mentioned before, how does how does a user experience sound within the context of that brand and mm-hmm. and how beyond audio X just audio user experience really being the the new way to think about audio branding. And so what it comes down to is on the one hand, working more closely with the real UX designers working on the product as opposed to just, you know, handing over an audio logo and, and hoping things go well. <laughs> yeah. It's <clears throat> it's it's a lot more hands-on and and even where we get in there and, and do a lot of prototyping even with with these different teams in even in platforms like Adobe XD, which I can actually talk a little more about in mm-hmm. a minute. But please do. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but on, on that side of things, it, we validate with with user testing just like UX designers do. And and these sounds are ultimately highlighting those those moments that they work on and those different user flows and story flows. And so that's that's really the cross section of the name of of audio x it's both really the the spirit of of what we call the future of audio branding as well as lifting that preconceived notion of of audio branding is just an audio logo how it's mm-hmm. really more about the experience which as as some of the projects i'm mentioning hopefully illuminate is that sometimes it's more of sound and Alexa skill than just an audio logo, or sometimes it's a fully immersive, interactive audio experience at a, at a physical location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. And certainly having a company that has the psychology know-how to know how to get the best reaction from the people who are listening is Definitely. an important aspect of that. <laughs> Looking for ways to improve your company's or podcast's impact? You'd be surprised how powerful the use of an intentional audio branding strategy can be. Want to know more? I have a free downloadable PDF that gives you my five tips for implementing an intentional audio strategy at voiceoversandvocals.com slash audio-branding-strategy. That location does ask to put you on a mailing list just to send you updates on when the new podcasts come out. But if you really don't want to give your email out, I understand. Just contact me directly. My email is all over my website. And I'll make sure you get that PDF without needing to sign up anywhere. If you do sign up, though, you also get access to a resources section called The Studio, where I have videos, white papers and PDFs, discounts from my guests, and snippets of audio from my guests that no one else gets to hear. So maybe it's worth your while. Totally up to you. And of course, if you're looking for voiceovers, you can get in touch with me about that too. 
Now, back to the podcast. I'd love to hear more about Adobe. I don't know what you're doing with them, but that would probably be fascinating to hear about. <laughs> yes. Um, so one of the more recent exciting announcements as of now is that Adobe XD now supports audio playback, which it, it didn't used to. And mm -hmm. so a lot of developers use XD for prototyping mobile application flows or website flows. And and even when when the SaySpring team joined Adobe is they brought in more uh, voice platforming. And, and so XD really allowed, in a way, a brand to try out all those different mediums that for us, sound eventually goes to. And so now that sound is involved, we're working with Adobe to create almost a best practice walkthrough of, of where designers, where experienced designers and UX designers can put sounds in their, in their experiences. And it's being developed as an interactive piece. And, and so by the time this airs, that should be out, which will be very exciting. <laughs> yeah, that does sound very exciting. <laughs> and it, yeah, it'll, it'll come out shortly. And, and so it also gives us an opportunity now where <clears throat> with, with Pantone, the unique avenue is that we were, we were really doing a sonic branding process on a color. Now, in this case with Adobe XD, we're developing an audio design system for a software, again, as opposed to a brand, because mm -hmm. it's not about, in this particular instance, this isn't us audio branding Adobe. This is us showing the best ways to implement sound, which is the UX side of things, obviously. It's not just what is the sound, it's it's where does it go and, and how can it be optimized? Mm -hmm. And so we really break down everything from the different archetypes of a UX sound, whether it it fits into more of an audio haptic or simulated haptic, whatever preferred term you have there, just basic acoustical feedback that something as simple as a button has been pressed. And so in the absence of a of a physical or, or mechanical haptic, a sound that gives you an indication that this function that would otherwise make a real sound, like pressing a real button, mm -hmm. comes into play. And so again, that that ties in a lot of the skeuomorphic sound design principles I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So those come back into play where when you tap something, you probably expect to hear something reminiscent of something you've tapped on before. And so we go into the the core categories of of sound functionalities. And so beyond that baseline haptic, what are the core principles of of a notification versus a more celebratory success moment? And then how can those be pieced together in more of a horizontal format of of walking through a setup flow? And so in this case, for say like an IoT type experience, if you're setting up Imagine like a, a Google Nest type home security or camera or something. Mm -hmm. How does that flow together where you have an app and you have a product and they're both making sounds together? What, you know, what are the moments you should highlight? How should they progress in, in harmony and where should it be celebratory or where should it be subtle? And then on top of that, then more on the, on the vertical is how can a singular brand sound the same over those different horizontal touch points? So if you have, you know, this kind of simulated banking experience, for example, how does it sound 
similar when you visit an ATM versus banking on your phone? Mm-hmm. And how does voice banking or, or conversational banking is a better word for it? How does it sound when you do banking over a voice experience like Alexa? Mm-hmm. And so, where are the the similarities between them, and then where are the distinctions? So instead of just using the same exact power on sound. How does it differ based on the speaker quality of of the product you're hearing it on? That's yeah, a good question. Or just the context of what you're using it in, right? And a lot of things with, to think about. <laughs> oh yeah, and <laughs> and I guess I'll actually just parlay from that point there to the final stage of our process, which is mm-hmm. what we call optimizations or or tuning, device specific tuning, and that's really the the final check mark of making sure that. Again, th- this is kind of where the, the Venn diagram overlaps between just handing off a sound and making sure it, it gets where it needs to go. So not only to make sure the brand knows what to do with it and, and that it gets to where it needs to be, but that when it gets there, it sounds like it should. Um, obviously, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with the burgeoning world of different speakers that have Alexa or, or don't have Alexa or different size uh, smartphones, tablets, anything. And like I said, even ATMs or any kind of kiosk or point of sale, anything um, to make sure that by the time the sound gets to that device, that it's encoded the right way Mm -hmm. and that it sounds as good as it should. So for us, that means mixing it on the device itself. And, and we, we designed from that from the beginning, by the way, too, because I, I don't mm-hmm. want you to think that we get all the way there and realize, oh, no, this will never sound good on this. So <laughs> well, no, you don't want to get through the whole process <laughs> and then not be able to use it on what they want it on. I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, so I, I should I should say that um, now. Uh, so, you know, obviously early on in that, like I mentioned, the immersion phase is when we get mm-hmm. product specifications and things like that. So so we can really design for the experience we're designing for. And so then when we get to that point to, to be able to optimize it, to tweak it, to make sure everything's perfect as, as much as we can, we work on the device or a prototype of the device or as close of an analog as we can get. Maybe it's a hardwired version. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a, a simulated, um, workflow on a digital audio workstation, um, or a plugin, but that's, um, it's actually a time when my voice prototyping skills have come in handy. And so for, for an IOT project, we just finished, um, a similar kind of home, um, thermostat security, the whole, the whole ecosystem came in handy where part of the team went on site to do optimizations. And now because these were Alexa enabled, I was able to then basically create an Alexa skill where they could just play the sounds on the device remotely. And so we were able to have this, again, talk about working remotely in this case, mm-hmm. being a country apart and me just being able to refresh and and have them conversationally just ask the device to play the sounds they want to hear and instead of having to break the thing open and, and hardwire it, which we also <laughs> do have to do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, that's a pretty uh, immersive uh, process there. <laughs> yes. And so my my early days of of soldering and fixing cables at those Comes in handy. studios I used to enter, <laughs> yeah, internet <laughs> have really 
come in handy now. I'm sure. There's one question I want to ask you, especially now. I'm curious, has the sound types that you're seeing now in the age of COVID-19, have they kind of changed since before that happened? Are you seeing any change in the actual sounds people want to hear? That's a very interesting question. I haven't seen enough data to suggest one thing or another. I guess it's only you been mean, a few months, but yeah, I'm just curious. <laughs> I know voiceover right. has changed quite a lot. Yeah. Do you mean more like, do people expect to hear more positive sounds to counteract things? Not necessarily. Or maybe... I, I, I'm wondering if people are wanting comfort a lot more than right. they did before. I think that's that's definitely true. And even if it's not manifested in the the smaller sounds, I think mm-hmm. it is manifested in the the longer form sounds and a more more of a demand for things like um, sleep sounds. Yes. And so meditation, you know, things exactly. that'll soothe you. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other voice experiences that we've worked on. So again, we you know we'll work on more traditional brands as well as voice specific brands. One of the more voice specific ones. Um, invoked apps is one of the the biggest ambient sound apps on Alexa, mm-hmm. and so for them, well, the the unique challenge there was each sound type has its own unique skill, and so when you have this umbrella of at the time fifty two different apps, how do you tie them together and and let people know that it's invoked apps by Nick Schwab and not you know sleepy sounds by whomever else (laughs) yeah that's a lot (laughs) we were able to create um an onboarding sound that that tied all those together and you know now i can only imagine what the numbers are now but you know hundreds of thousands of people were streaming those per day and i'll bet it's gotten larger (laughs) yeah and so we're working on some other um unreleased type sleeping sounds now as well mm-hmm. um for for a different brand and uh more for l- less for meditation and more almost for just um you know deep sleep stuff oh, okay so okay. I, I think that definitely the need for that kind of sound comfort and even the the funny thing i mentioned earlier of the office sounds honestly <laughs> yeah I think there's a there's definitely a higher demand for for comfort noise right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just curious because I, I I am a, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure that everything around us that we're experiencing psychologically for any other reason affects everything we want in, in general, you know, so our sensory experiences affect what other sensory experiences we want. <laughs> Oh, it's, um, yeah. it's definitely true. And I, I'm even surprised sometimes how powerful it is. And I'll prototype audio AR experiences where um, I put together an old project we had done. And um, it was a an interactive experience where I then I took all the stems from the, the physical location and created a an ambisonic soundscape out of it. And so even here working from home as I'm looking around the room and hearing the sound shift around me, really feel like I'm somewhere else. And so it is a powerful thing where mm-hmm. the more that audio AR becomes accessible on more products, I think the more people can make these audioscapes to 
the beach or the forest. Sure. It's a really, really powerful effect. Yeah, very true. (laughs) So what else else can you talk about that you're actually doing like right now? Are you, have you already said everything that that you're working on at the moment or uh, is there more stuff coming um, up? (laughs) That's always the the catch in in audio branding is, you know, what are you working on? And the answer is typically I can't really say. Yeah. Still true. But of of some of the ones I mentioned, um, I I can give a little more specific on the the IoT company I was talking about mm-hmm. is actually um, Ecobee. Okay. And so Ecobee is a home IoT company based in in Canada, actually. That is one of the featured um, product lines that has Alexa capabilities on board. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the the cross discipline of kind of designing for an Alexa type experience and designing for a product setup workflow came to be. Um, so our our ability to to already understand the Alexa ecosystem, everything from what key signature Alexa's sounds are versus versus something like Ecobee or as as deep as you want to get to understanding and, and how we can cross reference how the sounds are going to come out and how they're going to sound and was, was critical to the process. And so um, those are out now as well as the new branding. And so we'll have, um, hopefully have a, a case study up on that soon that you'll, you'll be able to see. Um, one exciting thing I'll actually mention about Ecobee, which is uh, maybe sounds like a counterintuitive point or, or something like that, but um, one of the my favorite things they did actually doesn't have our music in it, and I'll explain why. Okay. <laughs> um, it's because they used our our audio design system to to create it, and so someone created a piece of music that works with all our sounds, and then seamlessly blends into the the audio logo we made for them. Wow! And so I think it's a use case in empowering brands to have an ownable audio identity. Yeah. And do so, their own thing. Exactly. That's really you don't good. Necessarily need to write everything for every brand. Um, and as much as, you know, the, the quality control can be guaranteed if you do, but if you have a team as brilliant as Ecobee, um, you know, then they can do that as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I like the idea yeah. that they can just sort of take it and run with it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Right. Because you it, you almost don't want it to be the opposite because if it's all or nothing and and if you only write one brand theme and they either use it or they use stock music, then mm-hmm. it almost doesn't work for you anymore because it's it's hit or miss. Well, it has to be um, evolving or it doesn't exactly. last very long. I mean, <laughs> things change exactly. pretty quickly. <laughs> and and that's really what's important is is making sure that there's consistency over time so that that's what the evolution's all about so that it's not just oh we drop this one track and it'll expire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> yeah. So people so I, will I, I, I okay. just like to talk about that point because yeah. I think it's kind of interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Um, and and I, I love that idea. I think it's great that the companies themselves can get so involved in it because it really should be a part of their whole identity. 
and and yeah. they should know what that identity is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. So your website has a lot of these case studies that you've done in the past. I know you have something on Pantone there, definitely. Yes, and um, we're actually in the process of of putting some new ones up. So definitely when you hear this, um, check out auxnyc.com or, or audiox.com. They forward to the same place. Mm-hmm. And you can you can see all the latest and greatest that we're we're putting out. That'll be great. And is there a way that people can find you on social media? Are you guys on any particular place? <laughs> sure. We're we're active a little bit everywhere. I think website's <laughs> the best, but we're we're AUX underscore NYC on most social platforms. So Twitter and, and Instagram, you can find us that way. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today. This was really fascinating. <laughs> Definitely fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy you had me on, Jody. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thanks. Well, that's the end of this episode. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you heard, why not tell a friend about this podcast? It's available on all the usual outlets. Until next time. Until next time.